0: Sometimes the words of Jesus can be very hard and very difficult to hear, but that's important because God is speaking to us for a reason. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Henry.
1: And I'm Janice. And this
0: is Bible Discovery TV. We're going through the Bible, and today we land in 2 Corinthians 7, 8, and 9. This is a good passage as we continue to study in 2 Corinthians 7, beginning with verse 8. We'll take that study in about five minutes, Ryan. All right, well, today I'm going to be talking about Paul's risky
2: window escape from Damascus as recorded in Acts chapter 9 and 2 Corinthians
0: chapter 11.
1: Excellent. Very good. Janice? Today my segment's called Mission possible.
0: All right. And Ray Craddock is here. Ray, good to have you.
3: Nice to be here with you all. It's great.
0: <laughs> Excellent. We'll talk to you in a little bit, in about 20 minutes. So this is a good time to open up your Bible and get your Bible guide. And let's listen to what the Lord is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. We're beginning with verse 8. 2
1: Corinthians 7, 8 through 16 For even if I made you sorry with my letter I do not regret it though I did regret it for I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry though only for a while now I rejoice not that you were made sorry but that your sorrow led to repentance for you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication... In all things, you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. Therefore, we have been comforted in your comfort. And we rejoiced exceedingly more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I am not ashamed. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found true. And his affections are greater for you, as he remembers the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. Therefore, I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 through 16.
0: The second letter to Corinthians is amazing. Paul's first letter, of course, 16 chapters, we've already read. And now we begin the second letter, 2 Corinthians 7, 8, and 9. Now, what does it mean to have confidence in Christ? I mean, after all, we're talking about a person we would have never met in the flesh, someone who is also God. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead. Someone whose spirit and body was eternally glorified and ascended into heaven. When we are born again, God begins the process of conforming us to his image and his likeness right here and now. We are literally a new creation through Jesus Christ. Our confidence then comes through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. That is what it means to have confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is to be truly conformed to his image. One of the things I suggest to people who have come to know Jesus Christ as Lord is that they begin a Bible reading plan. Very good. You can Do it on your iPad or your iPhone, but a Bible reading plan. Every year we read through the Bible at Bible Discovery right here. And I learn more about the Lord than I ever have. Now, this is so critical and important right now as the world itself finds itself in a big mess. We need to read the Bible and we need to be like Jesus Christ now more than ever. This is the time when we need to do that, beloved, as we focus on what God wants from us. Now, as we talk about this, we need to pray because confidence in Christ. What am I talking about? I mean, watch the news. Do you have confidence in the world? Watch the news. How much confidence could you possibly have? I have no idea who has confidence in what, but I have confidence in Jesus Christ because he is Lord. And That makes me strange to some, unique to others, and it makes me truthful to many. And so, Father, I pray today as we focus on this, as we open up our hearts and our minds to see you from the scripture, that you would reveal who you are to us. Reveal who you are because father, we need to know you right now. Come Lord Jesus quickly. This is what we pray in Jesus name, amen. With that in mind, we turn our hearts to the Bible. Second Corinthians chapter seven, we begin with verse eight and it says, for even if I made you sorry with my first letter, <laughs> I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I perceived that the same epistle made you sorry though only for a while, now I rejoice. Not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces Death. Do you understand that sometimes the words of Jesus can bring sorrow? But godly sorrow leads us to repentance through the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you how important this is. I, 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 right now, we need to understand godly sorrow. We need to repent. Every person in the world needs to say, Lord Jesus, forgive us of our sins. Help us, Father. Come to us and show yourself in Jesus' name. That's what we need to do. And Beloved, that's what Paul was saying to the church at Corinth. He's saying, listen, I told you those things. I'm sorry that you got upset, but I'm glad you got upset because it changed you. Very important. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 beginning with verse 11. It says this. This is important. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves or cleaning of yourselves or clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication In all things, you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. Therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered the wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. Do you understand what he's saying? I get it. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, deceitful are the flatteries of, or faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful is the flattery of friends. We can and should learn from our mistakes. Now, I'll tell you this much. I knew a man who put together some products for a person, and you know, he was just learning, and he brought it to the store, and and the guy told him everything that was wrong with them. And, uh, really was bad. And he said, thank you. The man who made them said, thank you for your help. I really appreciate it. He meant it. He understood that he needed to know what was wrong so he could make it right, which he did. And that's important, beloved. We need to know and we need to position ourselves in such a way so that we can hear from God and say, Lord, that's not right. So I'm going to go this direction. Man, that's, boy, that's hard. That's hard. But God gets the glory when we do it. And that's the most important thing, isn't it? Second Corinthians chapter seven, beginning with verse 13. Here's what it says. Therefore, we have been comforted in your comfort and we rejoice exceedingly more for the joy of Titus because of his spirit. His spirit has been refreshed by you all. For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I am not ashamed But as we spoke all things to you in truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found true. And his affections are greater for you, as he remembers the obedience of you all. How with fear and trembling you received him. Therefore I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. Paul says this As Christ followers, as Christians, we will help each other and grow in God as we correct our mistakes, beloved. As Christians, we will help each other and grow in God as we correct our mistakes. The confidence we have is the Lord Jesus Christ to grow his church. And you say, Rod, of course I have confidence in that. I have to see his church grow and I see it grow, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute god grows you god grows me we are his church not a building his church is us he grows us and that's what i'm talking about and that's what paul's talking about as we learn from the lord and and we look at the chapters and we understand the verses what they mean we hear god saying i am growing you." so mistakes All the good things, all the bad things are coming together because all things, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. All things, and they work together for good because God is making us better. Beloved, he is conforming our souls and our spirits even today. That's what we say. Thank you, Lord. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right. On your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there.
2: Welcome back to the program. Today, my segment has to do with Paul the Apostle's escape from the city of Damascus, as recorded in both Acts chapter 9 and 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 32 and 33. And this escape involves being lowered in a basket from a window in the wall to escape the hands of those who wanted to kill him. Well, what's interesting about this is that not only do escapes like this go back to very ancient times, even long before Paul, But baskets like this have continued to have been put to use in our modern age. Check it out. The Reverend James Freeman, in his 1874 classic work, Manners and Customs of the Bible, documented how when a certain Professor Hackett was in Damascus, he saw a couple of men come to the top of the wall with a basket full of rubbish, which they emptied over the wall. A friend said to him, such a basket the people use for every sort of thing. If they're digging a well and wish to send a man down into it, they put him into such a basket. And that those who aided the Apostle Paul's escape should have used a basket for the purpose was entirely natural, according to the present customs of the country. Judging from what is done now, it is the only sort of vehicle in which men would be apt to think under such circumstances. Such baskets were round and shallow, and likely resembled the same one the Apostle slipped away in. The Bible records this getaway in Acts chapter 9, verse 25, as well as 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 32 and 33. The Jews had conspired to kill the apostle, so he was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall, rather than leaving through the city gates of Damascus. This was possible since the wall of a house was sometimes also a portion of the city wall, and thus windows may be placed in the wall through which access may be had to the region outside of the city. The floor of an upper story sometimes extends beyond the wall, giving an opportunity for a bay window projecting outside the wall. Either of these methods would afford a chance to escape from the city without passing through the gates. Interestingly, these sorts of escapes took place even long before the time of Paul. In fact, at least a few of God's people were saved in like manner. For instance, thousands of years earlier in the time of Joshua, the Canaanite prostitute Rahab had provided two Israelite spies a similar means of escape from the city of Jericho. David also was saved in this way, as 1 Samuel chapter 19 records. King Saul was threatening his life, so Michal, his wife, let David down through a window, and he fled and escaped. The fact that a modern Middle East custom is directly connected to those practices recorded in the Bible should not surprise us, for the Bible is an accurate record of exactly what took place. But more than this, and as the Apostle Paul himself declared, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So as I mentioned in this segment, the Bible records real history. These are real people, real places, and real events. So we shouldn't be surprised that we find connections both in the past and in the present. The Bible, after all, is true because it is the word of God. It claims that of itself more than 3,000 times, and no one has ever been able to overturn that claim.
0: Yeah, very interesting, Ryan. Uh, Excellent. Janice?
1: We were having fun in the break because when I said Mission Impossible... You uh broke out into the old the m- Mission Possible theme music. Dun, dun. <laughs> and And that brought my mind back to the old series, yes, remember? And the guy would get the phone call in a phone booth and he would go in and he would be given an assignment. <laughs> and would he accept it or not? Well, I don't think our assignments, well, some of them are very difficult like that. We don't do them on our own. And I'm talking about missions that God sends us on. And we see here in this chapter of 2 Corinthians how that the joy of Titus was fulfilled, through the believers in the Corinthian church. And his joy brought comfort to Paul. What am I talking about? We need to be encouragers of each other. And a lot of times God puts us on these missions, not to be the discouragers, not to be the ones that nitpick at everything, but to come in and bring joy and bring comfort to one another. It can be through a phone call. It can be through cards. It can be through a flower. It can be through just kind words to Somebody that's having a rough day. And you know, uh, my mom taught me very well. My mother was a woman filled with the grace of God and she impacted people's lives. Her face was always smiling. She always thought about what if this person has had a hard day? What if nobody has given this person a hug? What if nobody has smiled at this person today? And it was her mission to always carry herself in that way. So as believers, let's do that. Let's accept the missions that God puts us on so that we can be those encouragers. It's mission possible with God's help. In our life.
0: Because everything that we do that we think is impossible, it is possible with God.
1: Everything is possible and, with God. Uh, and that,
0: that's a really good parallel. I didn't <laughs> think of that when it broke out in the music. That was amazing. We could do a series on anyway We could. <laughs> um, We've been talking with Ray Craddock, who is my good friend, and uh, we've known each other for years. And uh, Ray, we talked about yesterday when you were in South Africa, after you've come forward in ministry. Now, let's pick it up there. You saw this angel. Yes. And uh, what happened at that point?
3: Well, (laughs) my friend and I, John, his name is John, we turned to each other and we both said, did you see that? Mm -hmm. And and as Ryan said to me uh, in in the break that we had earlier, um, it's good that somebody else saw it. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember writing this account and I put it out on social media several months ago, and John saw it. And he said, Ray, I remember that. I rem- It was an amazing experience. And so um, it, it was in that time uh, that we then met uh, a young couple that eventually came to England. And as a result of that meeting, it's strange how you connect the dots. I call it the Cornelius connections. But as a result of that meeting, we were then able to commence the beginning of europe's first christian television channel
0: now this is interesting because uh this would have been what 1980
3: well we started we met in 86 Mm -hmm. and we started the channel in the mid-90s
0: okay so you started talking about it in 86 in south africa yes yeah (laughs) now you started this and uh tell us about that how did you come back and figure that you had to do this because this is a a negative turn uh, from the government point of view. They're not going to allow any... Oh,
3: absolutely, Rod. I mean, for years, the government would not permit uh, licenses to be given to Christian organizations. In the UK? In the UK. And bear in mind, whatever happened in the UK, as far as Christian television was concerned, affected Europe because there was nothing in Europe either. So uh, a friend of mine used to go to Houses of Parliament regularly and sit and just pray and pray for the government to make decisions about giving Christians licenses, either for radio or or television. But of course, now satellite has come into being in in, in the 90s. Uh, Satellite television was available, and now that changed everything. The government couldn't control that in exactly the same way. Uh, So, because in in the early days you had one channel, then you had two, you had three, you had four. Now you've got about seven or 900 or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So, we applied for a license and we got it. We you were, got the We license, got the license. Your first application? First application. We got the so license. The
0: application went in 96?
3: Yes. Nin, 95, I think, is when it was, if I remember right. And they
0: just said, OK?
3: Yep. We got the license, paid for the license. Now we had to find a way to get on air. So what we did, and the only way we could do it was to purchase four hours of satellite airtime and pre-sell it to any ministry that was interested. <laughs> and that's what we did. And they bought that time from us and then we were able to expand from four to eight, eight to 12, 12 to 24. And then a little while, uh, uh, sometime after that, uh, when it was my time to move on, we parted company with then able to help others to get onto Christian television. You
0: are involved also in helping uh, the gentleman in Iceland?
3: Yes, yes. Um, we, uh, I, that's another amazing story because I get this call from Iceland to see if I can help get them onto satellite television. So I flew over to Iceland. And on that, I arrived very late that night and he took me out for a coffee. And I happened to be wearing a blue jacket, which was significant to him. He said he had been praying and the Lord had shown him that somebody was coming from another part of the world, they will wear a blue jacket (laughs) and they will be the person that will help. <laughs> I, I mean, this is, you know, when you're walking with God, <laughs> anything's possible. Anything is possible. Mission possible. Mission possible, <laughs> Janice.
0: Absolutely. That's amazing. Absolutely. But you, you also now, now you're involved there, but you're also involved in the Middle East.
3: Yes. So when we we got that channel started in Iceland, which eventually became a, a channel that reached about. I want to say about 180 countries or so. Um, And there are some things I can't identify on TV. It wouldn't be right to do so. But we get a call from a particular Middle Eastern country. Middle Eastern. From a Middle Eastern country. We go to a particular embassy in London. And as a result of that, we are talking to the Minister of Communications of that particular country. And the long and the short of that is that, um, in, in, let me say, in those days, in your, if you're in the Middle East and you want to pull down Western programming, you had to have a handheld satellite dish, search for the signal, stick it in the ground, and then you could watch whatever you saw. But by morning, you better take that uh, satellite dish in and hide it, that's how bad it was. So as a result of these meetings, eventually, um, this particular leaders of these countries gave permission for their people to pull down Western programming. Then the gospel went into the Middle East and North Africa.
0: And North Africa, so the Middle East and North
3: Africa. Yes, yes.
0: Uh, Okay, so let's just, this is amazing. But then how in the world did you come to Canada? After all that.
3: <laughs> okay. I was on, a, I was on a, a, a trip with a friend of mine to Houston, Texas. And I got him uh, an engagement in a church in Baytown, Texas. And so he's preaching there. And when it was over, he said, how would, how would you like to come up to Canada with me? He said, I have a friend who has a church up here and they want me to preach. So do you want to come? I said, sure. I've never been to Canada. Let's do it. This is 90, uh, about 96, if I remember rightly. So we came up to Canada and the pastor said, um, I understand you're involved in Christian television. And I said, yeah, well, I want to start a TV program. So can you help? And I st- he had to go back to England and I was kept there for another week. So they said, C- could you please just do an evaluation of our church structure and so on? So I spent a week doing that and then and spent some time sorting out some of their uh, media stuff with them that they wanted to do. The net result of that was I was invited back to become the associate senior pastor, or the senior associate pastor, I should say, in charge of media and other things. So I spent five years there helping them with their church. And it was way back then that we, you and I first met.
0: I was going to say the first time that uh, we met was, yeah. what was it, 1997? Yes. Oh, my goodness. It seems like ancient history. I know. <laughs> but, uh, but it was good to see you. And then God has done amazing things since that time. And uh, on the next program, we'll talk about that, because I want to talk a little bit about the AXE system. And it's just something that we're very excited about, Association of Christian Television. Right. That is
3: acts. Amazing.
0: It's just amazing. Anyway, we're going to talk about that next time. So let your friends know and your family know that, that this is the program coming up. It's, it's going to be, what is it? To, what is tomorrow? Is tomorrow, what is it? November 22nd. So we're going to be talking. So tell them that November 22nd, you should watch. Okay. in the meantime, let's get back to our program and let's listen and pray for the people who've sent in their prayer request. And let's hear God as we pray. Join us on Facebook, YouTube, and Bible Discovery as we take a prayer meeting on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 and invite you to come there. We're live for an hour, and uh, that's how we pray. I love it. God has led us to do that uh, two years ago, and we've done it ever since. So we'll see you on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30. Right now, let's pray and say, Lord, I ask you to help me hear you. (laughs) I ask me to help you. Discipline my life. Help me discipline my life, Lord, in Jesus' name.